0: Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Good afternoon, everybody. Ushers will be bringing coffee service into... The sanctuary here for us um, to keep us uh, going. Uh, i so glad that you guys have uh, come on out to join us for the service today. So uh, my wife and I, we used to use a meat tenderizer to hang pictures in one of our early apartments. And so we've been together a long time now. My wife and I have been married about 31 years, which is pretty good, right? Like It's getting... We're logging some miles now. She says it feels a lot longer than that, so I'm not quite sure. It feels like just days for me, and I'm really excited about that, but for her, uh, but when we were we were much, much younger, and we had a lot of apartments, and we didn't have tools that you would have for, you know, like if you're a homeowner, you have tools, because you got to do stuff around. You got to learn how to do stuff, or you got to pay a lot of people a lot of money, so you got to learn, and so, but back in the day, we had no real tools. And so, you just kind of figure out just what you have around the house. And so, to hang, hang pictures and to do little things like that, uh, we, looked, we grabbed what looked like the closest thing to a hammer, uh, which was the meat tenderizer. And so, you can imagine, well, you know, a meat tenderizer has all of these like carved out little nodules at the end. And so, um, it's not really great for hammering nails. And uh, so you end up mangling the nails, and you damage the meat tenderizer, and the wall looks terrible when you're all done. And of course, that's because you use the wrong tool for the job, which, by the way, for those of you who love tools, you got to remember this story. When you're buying a lot more tools, you got to be like, no, 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 the pastor said we need the right tool for the right job. And it is so true, because you use something outside of its purpose, and a whole lot of things end up getting damaged. And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning, our purpose, why we're here. And, and I don't mean like why you're here this morning, I know why most of us are here this morning. Some of you are here because it's First Holy Communion Sunday, and some of you are here because you're worshiping with your family and you couldn't make it to the 9.30 service, and so you're here at the later one. And, and so I, I know that, I mean more existentially why we, humanity, you in particular, are here, like here on this planet, here in history. And there is a, a somewhat famous Bible verse in the Old Testament book of Joshua. People like to put it on social media, or maybe it makes it on a coffee mug sometimes because, you know, that's inspirational in the morning when you most need it, I guess. The coffee's not cutting it. Uh, but it, but this, this Bible verse is far more important than a little bit of morning inspiration. And that's one of the neat things about the Bible. The Bible has all of these incredible narratives, these, these great stories, from you know, even some from thousands of years ago. And, and they've been handed down through the ages, ages. And they're designed to teach us about God and about ourselves and about what really matters. And so that's why every, every week at Beacon, we spend at least... Uh, some time, some moments, uh, some bit of our worship time reflecting on, on God's truth to us is found in the Bible. And so this morning, we're in this passage in Joshua. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And you see, this text helps answer the question, what is the purpose of life? Like Why are we here? And I think lots of people at some point in our lives, if we're not distracting ourselves with too much stuff, too much, uh, too much uh, hurry and hustle and, 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 and pursuits, if we're not distracting ourselves, we will often start to wonder about life. And you can actually find a whole lot of really funny quips about, uh, about the meaning of life and why we're here and all of this kind of stuff uh, on the internet. Some of my favorites, um, I had one uh, that I saw that said, there is no life without water. Because without water, there is no coffee. And without coffee, I'm going to kill you. Yep, absolutely. Life is too short to be serious all the time. So if you can't laugh at yourself, call me and I will laugh at you. This one uh, is uh, not as uh, friendly, I guess. If you have an opinion about my life, please raise your hand. And now put it over your, your mouth. The, uh, if I'm ever on life support, unplug me, then plug me back in and see if that works. That is legit right there. And I'm hoping someone here will do that for me. One day when you come visit me, just like, bleep, bleep, the nurses come in and make sure you say, like, he he asked us to do this. I was there. I saw it. And then there's this one. It's not the pace of life that concerns me. It's the sudden stop at the end. In the book of Joshua, it talks about this sudden stop. It talks about the promised land. See, God had created humanity and He gave us this spectacular home. And the goal, the destiny that He had given to some of the early prophets, to Moses and to Joshua, was to get the people into the promised land. Now, here's the thing. The promised land is, has become more than just a histor- an historical moment, a, an historical place. It started as the Garden of Eden. That was the original promised land. And then later, the people had found themselves in Egypt in slavery, and they ended up needing to get out of slavery and get into the promised land, which was the geographic nation of Israel. But it was more than that because it was really the nation of Israel, the people of God, under God's rule. That became the promised land. And then later we see throughout the the scriptures that the promised land becomes something else as well. It becomes the rule and the reign of God here on earth and, in fact, into the future. And so the promised land captures a lot of these ideas that, that have to do with the deepest longings of the human heart. And where and what we find in the promised land is that God is at the center of our lives. And that's what's so key. The promised land means that we are God-serving. We are God-centered. We actually even see this in our text. It says, now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Now, for us, this is a little harsh on the ears, to fear the Lord, Most of us don't uh, really like or think in terms of wanting to fear the Lord in this way. And that's because our English word for fear uh, is very uh, kind of limited in its scope. And so for us, fear usually means that somebody is sort of cowering in the corner sort of fear. But in the scriptures, when you get to the word fear of the Lord, it actually has a whole lot of other meanings and nuances. And it's used interchangeably with some other words that are a little bit more surprising, like awe. Or even love. And so fear and love and fear and awe can be, can be interchanged in the scriptures. Even adoration as an idea, as a concept, can be interchanged with fear of the Lord. And so it, it starts to, to seem a little bit different than how we would normally think of the word fear. Some years ago, I heard one of the most helpful explanations of this, using the idea of a phobia, And so if any of you have any phobias, you know what I'm talking about. Not like normal fears, like some people have a little bit of a fear of heights or... You know, you might not like driving over bridges or something like that. Like you have some fears in your life. Um, you know, maybe you think about the future or about your kids, whatever it might be. But, but like a phobia is something that, that kind of grips you. It consumes more of your attention, more of your focus. And so if you think about like if, you know, people have phobias of like little small white furry creatures. And so whenever they see a little furry white creature, they just, they can't, they go crazy. Or maybe, maybe it's spiders for you. Like right now we have a tarantula pet in the house. And so like if you don't like spiders, if you're really opposed to spiders like morally and ethically and all of that opposed then then a spider if that's your phobia or a snake or something like that if you've got it then when that when that thing is in front of you when it's around you everything else fades into the background the whole of your world gets oriented around that object the object of your phobia of your fear and so even a little bit of it is still held in the English language because it's that singularity of focus. When you have a phobia, you can't think of anything else but that thing. And this word for fear of the Lord, this idea in the scriptures, has to do with that singularity of focus. And so it can, it can manifest in all sorts of different ways, as awe, as adoration, as love, as fear. and But it has to do with the whole of our attention, the whole of our focus, the whole of our lives being oriented around that object. And so you can now see why it's such an apropos way of describing God being the central focus of our lives. And when God is at the center, we experience this fear of the Lord then we will actually experience more and more of the promised land. But humanity was not content living with a God-centered life in the promised land, not in the, the Garden of Eden and never since as well. And so we fell from grace. We wanted to be independent from God. And that fall from grace ends up cutting ourselves off from the single most important relationship that humanity needs. The creation, the creature with our creator. And we've been cut off from that. And as a result of that rebellion, the whole of the world broke. If you read the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, that's what that's a whole story of. We had this perfect world in the promised land, and because we wanted to be self-driven, self-guided, because we did want we wanted to live independent of God, we ended up breaking The world we turned on each other. Marriages began to degrade. We turned on our own flesh and blood. Cain and Abel. We we started hurting our siblings, and we watched as the civilization itself became increasingly bankrupt. And we participated in the degradation and the disintegration of our culture. Now, sickness and abuse and neglect, this became our normal experience, loneliness and and frustration. We ended up wearing those every day. And so we ended up in slavery. The irony, of course, is that the very things we thought that would save us from the decline are the very things that enslave us. And that's sort of one of these wicked little twists of our fate. So now our careers and our relationships, habits that we actually thought were going to bring us happiness, now feel more like bondage. And we have addictions and and failing marriages, and we have struggling kids and financial woes and fears and insecurities. This is the new reality since the fall. There was a marketplace ad on social media I read some time ago, it started as, it said white gold engagement ring. That was what's for sale. Then the ad read, like new condition, however, last worn by Satan herself. Ring may be cursed as it tends to leave a path of destruction behind it. Possible events associated with this ring include but are not limited to damage to house, vehicle, heart, and swarms of locust. The world... Is broken. We are broken. We needed help. We needed someone to save us. And we get back into our text because we find out that God actually saves his people from this slavery. He does this at a moment in time and with a man named Moses. Now, the name Moses means draw out. That's the the actual meaning of his name. And so he was drawn out of the Nile, but it also tends to paint a picture as to what he was doing. They were living at the time in the land of slavery, the land of Egypt. And in that land, Moses was to draw them out on their way to the promised land. And they did that. He did this with a moment called the Passover. That was the instrumental moment. And so the people had been struggling under the oppression of the Egyptians. And as they... They struggled. God was providing these incredible signs to, to help free them from Egypt. And the last of the, of the great plagues was going to be the worst. An avenging angel was going to come over the whole of, of the nation, including the houses of the Israelites, and was going to strike the firstborn. So every house would experience this great mourning and lament. There would be suffering for our sin and our rebellion. But God instructed Moses and it was an unusual kind of a rule and it it was the way that the Israelites could escape this coming judgment. And he said, listen, what you're going to do is you're going to take a lamb. It's an innocent, perfect lamb and you're going to kill it. And you're going to take blood from that lamb and you're going to put it on the doorposts of your house as if the blood were protecting and marking your house. And when the angel goes over the city and sees the blood on the doorposts, the angel will pass over your house. And so he passes over without bringing judgment. Well, the judgment had fallen on the lamb. That was the idea. The lamb gave up its blood so that no one protected in the house would have to to die. No one would have to give up their blood. And so the Israelites did this, and the angel passed over their homes And in that moment, the Israelites began to pursue their freedom. Egypt kicked them out and said, get out, this is too much. There's too much suffering, too much anguish. And the Israelites were able to leave the land of slavery and enter into the time of wilderness. Well, the Passover is what we celebrate when we celebrate the Lord's table. When we come to the communion table, the bread and the wine, these are the symbols of the original Passover meal that happened 3,500 years ago, and throughout history, this is what the Jewish nation and Christians have been celebrating, and in our version of it, it's the communion, the Eucharist, the table of thanksgiving. But of course, Moses brings them into the wilderness so they can learn obedience and they can learn to trust in God. But it was another man, Joshua, who actually brought them into the promised land. Now, you see, we've been, we were singing songs this morning about the blood and about walls falling down. Those are right from these stories. Right, People who don't understand the, some of the basics of the Christian faith, they go, why are Christians always talking about blood? This is why. It's not just that we're weird. It's that not just that we're weird. It's because of this. It's because of the blood of the lamb, and it's because of what it represents for us now today. And so then you get Joshua, who walks around the walls of Jericho. Those walls eventually fell because Joshua needed God to show up to bring them into the promised land. Well, Joshua's name means God saves, Yeshua And the Greek version of that is Jesus, Yeshua. This is is Joshua. His name is is Jesus, and Jesus' name is Yeshua. And and so Jesus is the one through whom God saves. And this this is, for us, this beautiful picture of what is going on here in bringing us to the new Eden. But you see, each of us has to choose Joshua told the people, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you continue serving the God of the Amorites, the God of the Egyptians, the land that you were in, the land that you came from, the land that. Are you going to obey the gods of this age, of this day, of this country in this way, of the values of this world? Are you going to continue to pursue your life apart from your Creator? You get to choose. You get to choose. And what will you choose? Moses draws God. He draws God's people up out of slavery through the death of Jesus. That death is the breaking of our bonds of slavery. Joshua, he delivers us into the promised land through the life of Jesus this is all that we're about to, to recognize and celebrate during Holy Week, during, uh, during, during, during the next Sunday when we're, we're talking about this amazing event of the Passover and then on Good Friday when Jesus actually, when, when, when he went to the cross, but this was right after he had celebrated the Passover with us and then the resurrection on Easter. This is the story of the purpose of humanity. And when we celebrate communion together, when we recognize the Lord's table, we have to see that, that the sacrifice wasn't a lamb with their blood put on the doorposts. It was the blood of Jesus willingly laid down for us, willingly spilt for us. The blood of Jesus that now we get to apply to the doorposts of our house so that when judgment comes, we will be rescued from it. It is how we enter the promised land and we get out of our own self-made slavery. So today we celebrate these kids who are declaring that Jesus is the center of their lives. As best they understand it, at this stage in their development, they're saying, yes, this is what me and my family long for, to put Jesus at the center of our lives, at the center of our stories, that we might stand in awe, that we might adore, that we, we, we might walk with him once again. And when we do that, we set up these these moments, these these monuments. That's what this service, that's what this celebration is all about. Joshua, he did it with large stones. He set up there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. He said, see, uh, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all of the words the Lord has said to us. And so they take a moment, they have a celebration, they build up a pile of stones or they make some other sacred moment and they go, this is how we will remember what we've done. And today that's what we're doing. We mark this moment, we take pictures of it for, for the future. we remember it, we tell stories or certificates, their gifts. All this stuff goes on because we are trying to remember what it was that God did for us and what our commitment was to him. We chose this day. And I, we know we want this for our kids, but the, but the call that Joshua makes is for you as well. Choose this day whom you will serve. The gods of this day, the gods of this age, or the God who loved you so desperately that he sent his son, who willingly laid down his life so that you might leave the land of slavery and be promised the new Eden, and the new heaven, the new earth. So let's invite the kids forward as we get to celebrate with them their first Holy Communion. Well, thank you so much for participating in our first Holy Communion class. We know that you guys have been learning about God and about Jesus and. Uh, the work that Jesus did for you on the cross and how that relates to the Passover. And so some of the things that we've been talking about here this morning, we know have been a part of what you guys have been learning in your class. And so thank you so much for uh, working real hard and learning these things and letting us uh, celebrate uh, this first Holy Communion with you. And thank you to the parents and families that uh, are also uh, letting us be a part of this with you. We are delighted uh, to participate in this, and we're going to do the best we can to get you some good pictures. All right? So uh, we'll, uh, we're going to start uh, on this side, and when you hear your name called, then you just come forward. You take a little bit of, there's a little cracker inside one of the cups here, and then a cup of uh, the juice after you hear your name. Diego? Enamorado. <laughs> Mia Gabrielle Fumuso. Sophia Kroll, Nicholas Kroll, Christian Long. Liani Lung. Lucas Saltos. Layla Sangrajka. Simone, Caleb Alexander Welch. Justin Young Can we give them a round of applause All right, let's squish in a little bit. We're going to face that way and get a picture. You can uh, prove this to them later. That's it. All right, let's give them another round of applause. Thank you guys so much. We've got a gift bag out there for you, and uh, we've got some very cool stuff in there. We hope you love it, and again, thank you so much. See you guys. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.